Why is it that when it comes down to writing that check toward the wells, why is that a difficult check to write? Why is it difficult to put that into our budget? Why is it difficult to spend less? I mean, you'd think that would be a good thing, but why is it hard? Why is it, why is it difficult to, to give meaningful gifts that point people to Christ, that are, that are given in honor of the birth of our Savior, like we talked about. I mean, gifts that reflect Him, just like, like uh, the guy was saying just now. I mean, to give Him the gift, why is that a difficult thing to do? Why is it hard? Why is loving everybody such a difficult thing when it comes down to it on a Tuesday when you're at Walmart or you're in traffic or whatever. Like, why, why is that so hard? Why is worshiping fully this Christmas, uh, why, is it, why, why is it? Why is it so easy to get excited and fired up and determined when we're here together? But there's something about being outside of this place when it's not right in front of us. Why do we so easily forget? Like he said, why, does, why do those places become so distant? When it's something that resonates so deeply within us and, and we are all, all about that. When push comes to shove, why is it so tough? Um, I've been thinking about that a lot because um, as excited as I have been about Advent Conspiracy, um, I, like last year and, and this year again, failed to anticipate the struggle of actually doing those things. It reminds me of like when when I was in school and you'd finish up a semester and you didn't do as well as, as you thought and you were determined, like, next semester, it's on. I'm studying, I'm going to class, I'm taking notes, I'm doing, I'm doing all the readings, I'm doing all the homework, I'm doing everything I need to do. So at the beginning of the summer, you were all about it, and then roll, you know, August rolls around, you're not quite as excited and determined as you were. And I feel kind of that same way, that like, now that it's here and I'm having to really think about spending and loving people and all those things. So I was really wrestling with that, and I was kind of at the same time wrestling with why, why is something like Advent Conspiracy even like necessary? Why do we have to do something like this? And, and so that answer is pretty obvious because we have things like Advent Conspiracy, and it's not the only thing out, out there. Um, we have these kind of, it's not a campaign or a program, I don't really know what to call it, but we have these things because Christmas has become something it's not supposed to be, and we're trying to remedy that. And really, the answer to, to that, it, you kind of have to follow it up and say, okay, well, then how did it get so bad? The answer to that question is the same thing as why is it so difficult? And we've been talking about it all semester long in our community groups. It's the same the same issue, the same problem, the same battle is that our flesh loves secular, materialistic, emotion-driven Christmas time. Loves it. We like the songs. We like the lights. We like um, shopping. We like trying to find a bargain. We, liked, we really like receiving gifts. 
a lot. We like the family gatherings. We like, we just like everything about it. And not, all those things aren't bad. I'm not saying that it's bad, but our flesh loves that, that weird side of things. We love the materialism. We love the way it makes us feel. We love, um, we love all that stuff. Our flesh loves everything that Christmas is not about. And our spirit loves Advent conspiracy and things like that. Our spirit loves social justice. Our spirit loves um, taking care of those who are in desperate need of God's grace. Our, their, our spirit loves spending less and giving real meaningful gifts. Our spirit loves trying to worship in every single way that we can and making sure that every single person that we come in contact with knows what the incarnation of Christ is all about. Our spirit loves that. Our flesh hates that. And so what we find, once again, is this battle between the spirit and the flesh. That's what makes it difficult. It's not the economy. It's not our families. It's not stress. It's not any of that stuff that makes Advent conspiracy difficult. It's our flesh. And I don't want to preach this message at all because it's so awkward and difficult and weird. But I feel like if, we're, if we are, are going to grow from this, which is the point of this, if we're going to mature and we're going to grow, we have to acknowledge what's going on. Let's look at Galatians 5, um, a passage that we are very familiar with, especially after uh, this semester. Uh, we have studied the fruit of the Spirit in our small groups, and um, every single week we bring it down to the same context. Uh, and this is what it is. Look in Galatians 5. We'll read, we'll go 16 through 24 so we can get the, the vibe here. Um, look at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. All right, that verse, we're coming back there. Verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Look back at verse 17. This verse, like we talked about in our groups, describes war, and that is what is going on within us as we try and conspire against the secular um, materialistic, emotion-driven Christmas that our flesh loves so much. This is the war. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Does that make any sense at all, right off the bat? I mean, that's the answer. That's what makes loving all difficult. That's what makes spending less difficult. Because our flesh is being so fed. Now I've described, and back when we were at Parkview, I'd use this diagram, and we changed our 
software and stuff, and I couldn't figure out how to do it. And so finally, I got the diagram done. So you'll be seeing this for years to come. And here it is, the great unveiling. Uh, it's not very detailed, but uh, there you go. In all its glory, all right? And here's what I mean, quick, quick refresher. Went, and that's going to stay up there, so just deal with it emotionally. Embrace the ultimate warrior for a second. This is wrestling, folks, not Monday Night Raw. This. Do your history lessons. Um, when, uh, when you and I are born, when anyone's born, they're born with only one circle, and that circle would be the flesh circle. And that's because um, Adam and Eve sinned. They were separated from God, and then they had kids and kids and kids and kids, and then one day we were born, and that same separated bloodline is in all of us. So we're born, and we only have this one circle, and that is the flesh. And so when we talk about the flesh, we're not just talking about, like, skin and bones. We're talking about, like, that separated nature that is self-centered. It is, it's all about our ego. It's all about us. And so when I say that that secular Christmas is appealing to that, that's where that comes from. That's the, I want gifts. I want to find the best deal I can find. Um, I want my lights or my house to look better than my neighbors. It's, I want to buy a better gift for my parents than my siblings do. I mean, it's, it's that weirdness, you know, it's that Jekyll and Hyde in us. It's the, that's the, it's all that. It's the part of us that if, our, if, if you received, um, if everybody in your life gave you like 12 gifts, you would not refuse them. You would think like, awesome, I have like 400 gifts. You would not think that was weird. You'd not return any of them unless they just didn't fit or whatever. Um, it's that side of us that loves to get stuff and it just, uh, whatever. Now that side is also separated from God. And so when Jesus comes to earth, a part of what he's come to do is to change that situation because no matter how good you are, how much you try, you're still, you just have one circle. You can't change it. So Jesus comes, lives a perfect life, dies. And by putting our faith in him and saying, I am a sinner and I cannot change the situation. I need a savior to, to change this whole thing around. When we do that, you enter into a relationship with God. But instead of moving from the flesh circle to the spirit circle, God has chosen to overlap those two together, as you see there. And that's where we live, in the overlap between those two things. So when we talk about the flesh versus the spirit, we're talking about the spirit of God inside of us that wants justice and love and the good news to be spread and all those things. So those two are at war, and there we are stuck in the middle. And the reason why the ultimate warrior is in there is because God is a what? A warrior. And we tend to feel like we're like weak and sad and pathetic and all this kind of stuff. But no, because Christ is in us, when, as, as that war is going on, we do not play this like wimpy, wuss, neutral role. We're aggressive. Christ in us is a fighter. And so that's why I changed the image from Juan Jacoby to the ultimate warrior. Because it's more accurate about what's going on. Now, this verse says that those two circles are opposed to one another. And so that opposition uh, is going on all the time. So in July, it's the same thing. Every day for the rest of your life living on this earth, this war is happening. And so when something like Advent Conspiracy comes along, we would be foolish to pretend like war all of a sudden just stops. 
And we would be foolish to think that we can walk through these couple of weeks pretending like the fight is not going on inside of us. See, when it comes to worshiping fully, our spirit is all about that. It says, yes, every aspect of Christmas, every, I mean, literally everything that goes on should be a response to God for who he is and what he's done. It doesn't matter how trivial, uh, it doesn't matter, everything that goes on, your spirit says, yes, worship fully, let's do that. And your flesh says, no, 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 no. Let, let Christmas be Christmas. Just let it, just let it be what it is. Let's, let's make it in, in its own compartment. Let's be all about social justice in this room, but yet let's ignore the homeless people out there when you're living life. Let's love one another in, in here, but let's be a jerk to the cashier at Walmart. Let's be all about our community groups and our Christian friends and all this kind of stuff, but let's gossip like crazy when we get to work. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So our spirit wants us worship in every single aspect, and your flesh says, no, let's split it up into compartments. And when it's church time, let's, let's be Christmassy. And when it's work time, let's be worky. And when it's, you know, other times, whatever. We talk about spending less. The Spirit says, yes, it's not your money in the first place. Your money needs to, needs to go to, toward things that Jesus would, would, that just represent him and look like him. You've been graciously blessed with finances. You should, you should pass that on to others. It's grace flowing in their direction. Once your needs are met, meet the needs of other people. You don't need more shoes. You don't need more stuff. You don't need the newest whatever. There are people out there who have no food and they have no clothes and they have nowhere to go, and you can help make a difference there. That's the spirit is all about that. The flesh says, well, okay, if there are sales out there, that means I can buy stuff for me too at a cheap price. Your flesh side says, you know what, whatever's left over at the end of all my spending, I'll put that in the, in the, the well bucket back there. Your flesh side says, there's no need to budget for that. No need to, that's stupid. And your spirit is saying, yeah, you'd have plenty of money to give toward those who need it if you were just more wise with it. And your flesh says, no, it's your money. You earned it. There's a recession out there. Have a good time. See, they... They battle each other. When it talks about giving more, the Spirit says, yes, don't give your dad another drill. He doesn't need another drill. Give him something meaningful. Your flesh says, yeah, but last year I gave him this, or my siblings are going to do this, and if I give him this, then he's going to get mad if I don't give him something else, and, you know, whatever. Spirit says, all right, well, if you need to get him a gift, write him a letter, do something with some meaning, and your flesh says, yeah, but that might be weird. My dad's not real, like, touchy-feely, so that might, like, kind of, he might not like that and, you know, whatever. Might laugh at me. Might be awkward. Spirit says, donate money on behalf of your relatives and tell them about the wells. Tell them about world vision. Tell them about whatever. Tell them about Advent conspiracy. Tell them about Jesus. And your flesh size is, yeah, but I don't know if I could deal with that awkwardness and the blank stares and the tension maybe and all this kind of stuff, so I'll just avoid it altogether because I'm kind of looking out for myself. The Spirit says, when you talk about loving all, the Spirit says, yes, everybody's important. Everybody's valuable. Everyone's created in the image of God. Everybody, 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 no exceptions. Your flesh side convinces you that you're better than other people, that you're better than the homeless people that are on the street because you have a job and you work hard and all this kind of stuff. 
and they deserve what they got. Flesh lies. Flesh looks out for yourself. Flesh says, I don't, I'm not, I don't have to tell everybody that, that somebody, else, somebody else will do that. Somebody else will sign up to go to this place. Somebody else will go take care of this. This is a time everybody's being charitable. I can just kind of fly underneath the radar. And the Spirit says, no, 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 no. I've given you opportunities, specific and unique opportunities, for you to let people know how valuable they are to God. The flesh says, no, somebody else will do that. That tension, that battle, that is what makes it difficult to actually walk it out every single day. And believe me, I do not say that as like, let me, the pastor, shepherd guy, let me impart to you some great wisdom so that you may be like me. No, no, I'm in the trench and I'm trying to wrestle through stuff and asking God, God, what, what do we need to learn from this? As easy as some of Advent conspiracy is, there's so much more that's difficult. What do we need to learn in the midst of the difficult stuff? And I think that this is it. That we're always going to be let down when it comes to stuff like this, when it comes to just our own growth and maturity as we live life. We're always going to be let down if we ignore the war that's going on. An Advent conspiracy is the perfect battlefield for us. You want to battle materialism? Really walk out what we're talking about. In my opinion, other, other than putting money in the bucket back there and praying about your finances and just being charitable and generous, I think this is like in fourth place about the mo- as far as most effective way to overcome materialism as far as like how our church functions. There's a war going on. Now, that in and of itself is intimidating. And even though we are the ultimate warrior, it's still a little bit intimidating because you're like, okay, how do I fight this battle? Well, look at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its, with its passions and desires. All right? Here's the thing. If you go back to the diagram, that flesh side has got a nail driven through it. And it is slowly bleeding to death. But it's not dead. See, that's one of those theological like details that I think is a lot of time real foggy with us. There are some out there who think that once you're saved, your flesh is gone and you never sin again. And if you sin again, it means you're not really saved in the first place and you're caught in this endless cycle of terrible theology and horrible understandings of God and you're just miserable and then you go to free speech alley and yell at people. That's, that. yeah, you can tell them I said that. Quote me. Um, but then there's the other side of the issue where we, we, we think that the flesh is still just as alive and well as it was before Christ came in. So there's like too much equality. And I need to go, I need to have like a couple of diagrams because if you remember when I talked through it earlier, I changed it to where like the flesh side was like not the same size as the spirit, but it was like smaller and kind of like a deflated balloon. Because that's, that's what, what's happened. It's got a nail driven through it and it's slowly dying, but it's not dead. Now, here's, here's, where the, here's where the war comes in. Here's the, the, tough, the tough part, I think. We know that the flesh is dying, this slow, painful death. And if we deprive it long enough, it will show signs of, of being more and more and more and more dead. It becomes 
weaker and weaker and weaker. So, the real issue is that the flesh somehow comes alive. And the reason why is because we're like slipping it like Nutri-Grain bars or something. And this is not just Christmas time. This is all the time. I know like my constant example is guys dealing with lust, but I just think that that's, it's so prevalent and, and destroys so many lives that I'd be stupid to not use it as an example. Let's say that, you, that if a guy's struggling with lust, um, a guy who struggles with lust should be very, very careful what, what he sees. And it's real easy, guys, to convince ourselves that, well, a little peek here, a little you know, inappropriate late night commercial here, all this kind of stuff is not doing me any harm. What that's doing is it's like slipping a little something to the spirit. A little something to the spirit. I mean to the flesh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and that flesh that has, has been slowly dying, and slowly dying, all of a sudden it's got a little more life. It regains a little bit of power. Not power to overcome because it's, it's, it's going to die. The question is, how much are we going to keep keeping it alive? So, um, I'll pick on the girls too. If girls, you know, sort of the like typical equivalent would be, you know, body image issues. So, if a girl struggles, struggles with body image issues, guess what? Every time you look at a magazine, what do you think, what, what do you think is happening? You think that flesh is becoming more and more weak as you compare yourself to models in magazines? No, it's not happening. So maybe a little bit of wisdom on our part and some intentionality, maybe that's a part of how we fight. As you pray, God's going to say, look, uh, we're going to work in tandem, all right? So you ask me, and I'm going to do some things that you can't do, but there's some things that you can do too. So let's starve that flesh and let's feed the spirit. Now bring it into Advent Conspiracy. We have to find the areas in each of our lives where, where we struggle with that battle and figure out how do I starve my flesh and feed my spirit when it comes to that. If, you're, if your main issue is about spending, then you have to break that down. You have to pray and you have to ask God, okay, God, how, how can I feed my spirit and starve my flesh when it comes to spending? It may be like really practical things like don't go shopping. Don't look through all the things you get in the mail with all the sales and all this kind of stuff. It might be like really practical stuff like that. You may have to actually make a budget. And that budget may have to not include yourself. If your issue is loving all, then maybe God's going to say, you know what? You know the best way to feed the Spirit is is to intentionally love people. That's the beautiful part. There's always going to be a balance to it. You're not going to just starve the flesh. You're going to also feed the spirit. And the more you feed your spirit, the more that flesh is starved out. So we keep things in front of us. We made the little magnets to put in your house to keep that in front of you. We send emails. There are websites. We have pamphlets. We, have, we do as much as we can to keep this in front of us. There are readings on our website every day. On the bottom of the tear-off thing on the bulletin, there's like an Advent reading every day. Do as much as we can to keep our spirits full, and your flesh will hate that junk. 
You go down, you help feed the homeless on a Sunday morning. Your spirit will love it, your flesh will hate it. You couldn't have left Maison Dami yesterday with, like, without both of those things happening. There is a war going on. Now, the point of all this is not about us having a successful Advent conspiracy and a really big offering to write a big check to go to our well to be able to say, look at us and look how holy and great we are and we love social justice and blah, blah, blah. It's not about that. This is about the glory of Christ. It's about our, us maturing in our relationship with him. It's about us looking more and more like him. See, what we're doing basically is we're laying it all on the line. And by our church saying Advent Conspiracy is becoming our new tradition, we're saying um, every year at this time of year we're going to war on a whole, in a whole different way than we are other times of the year. And these kind of things, I mean, Advent is one big reality check. It's one of the beautiful things about it. It's one big reality check. Flip over a couple of pages to the right to Colossians 1. This is what Advent does for us. We're born in that flesh circle with a completely self-centered existence. And Advent brings us in touch with reality, which is this. Look at verse 15. He's the the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. You notice there's not a lot of you in there anywhere? I don't see my name in there. This is Matt Iglesias' Bible. Matt didn't write his name in there. We're not in there anywhere. Weird, huh? Verse 17, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the, head of the church, he's the head of the body, the church. Huh. It's his church. Cool. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That's a, return, that's a reality check for us. Born into a world where we are seeking our own preeminence, and now as we live in that overlap, it is all about his preeminence. Verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We've moved from a self-centered, false reality to a Christ-centered, accurate picture of reality. That's, That's what Advent is about. That's, that's the conspiracy. Is that everything our flesh is so appealed to is completely a lie. And now he brings us into 
the truth. And the more we feed that, the more we starve that flesh. And there comes a point where the lights and the songs and the gifts and all those things play an appropriate role in our lives. I love the songs and the lights and the whatever. And I want them to play an appropriate role. But I want Christ to have the preeminence in the way that I walk through this time. And I know that you do too. I know that's our desire. I think here in the midst of it, I just sense maybe frustration, maybe a little bit of obliviousness. Maybe just some like, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe there's some apathy. I don't, really, I don't really know what it is. But I know, I know, I know that there's a war going on. And we've got to stop feeding our flesh. We've got to stop slipping at food and trying to keep it alive. We've got to starve it out. Whatever it takes, we have to starve it out. And we have to feed our spirits. Because it's about Christ and his preeminence about taking that dirty well water and replacing it with clean water because that's what Jesus did. He came to make all things new. He came to make new our celebration of Christmas. He came to redeem it. I always like to think about him just turning everything upside down. That if most of our lives we've bought into this lie about what Christmas is, he's come to redeem that, to make that new, and to turn it upside down, and to define it his way. And there's a part of us that absolutely hates it. As long as we feed and keep it alive, it's going to be a miserable war. But the more we starve out the enemy, the more victory we walk in. Let's, uh, Let's pray together. God, we um, we thank you for the way that it for the way that truth connects with us. Um, it makes so much sense as to why things uh, just kind of feel right when you serve people, when you love people, when you when we walk this stuff out. The reason why it feels right is because we are in touch with reality. It's because our spirit is being fed, our flesh is being starved. God, you know each one of us and you know the parts of truly celebrating what Christmas is about. You know the parts of our lives where we each struggle. I know that some have no problem with the money side of it. It's the loving people. Some have no problem with, with worshiping fully, but it's that giving. And God, help us to see that it all, it's all goes together. God, help us to see the war that's going on with inside of us. God, help us to see it tonight, absolutely, but help us to see it tomorrow. Help us to see it when things heat up and to recognize the real problem. That it's not the economy, and it's not our families, and it's not stress, and it's not whatever, that it is a flesh versus spirit issue. Help us to recognize, Father, that that picture of the ultimate warrior, that is, that is who we are because of you. 
And if we just ask you, you will show us how to starve that flesh and feed that spirit. God, whatever victory we walk in, whatever whatever redemption we see in the way we celebrate Christmas, God, it is not about our church or wells being dug or admin conspiracy. It is first and foremost about your preeminence. It's about our world being reconciled to you and about all things being made new for your glory and yours alone. So God, may may that become important to us. Because that's really, I think, what so much of it comes down to. And we cherish you above all else. May our true desire be your glory and your goodness and your grace displayed through our gift giving and through our interactions and through our relationships, whether it's people we know or people we don't. God, if that is not the desire of our hearts, God, I pray that you bring us there. We love you, Father. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, and here's what we're going to do. Um, we're just going to sing the truths that we just talked about. I think there's something about declaring it that uh, is healthy for us, that brings us um, maybe a little bit closer to where we need to be as we depart. So um, I'm just going to turn it over after Cody tunes. <laughs>